hello, hello. This is Ben Kay, host of Movie the Musical, here with a special treat this week uh, as a wonderful bonus uh, episode drop for you fine folks. Uh, we're going to share a Patreon episode. If you don't know, we have a Patreon where we uh, have bonus episodes all about musicals that have been turned into movies. And this is just a sneak peek at the wonderful, brilliant content you can get behind the paywall if you go to patreon.com slash movie the musical. It's just $3 a month because we are a triple threat podcast. And uh, yeah, we've got great episodes like this. You'll be supporting this wild, independent venture that we are on. And your support means the world to us. Uh, thank you to our current Patreon subscribers. And we hope you enjoy this uh, sneak peek at what nonsense we're getting up to over there. Uh, enjoy the little shop of horrors. The movie. The musical. The movie. Hello, hello, and welcome behind the paywall to Movie the Musical, The Movie, our Patreon-exclusive podcast about musicals that have been turned into movies. Um, I would like to think you know who we are, since uh, you're a fan of the show, and thank you again for giving us uh, your wonderful, wonderful dollars to support the things we're doing. It's me, Ben Kay. Also here is Bran Moorhead. Uh, you could call this our only brands. Oh, that's what oh. you could call behind our paywall. <laughs> oh, I just thought of that, but I want what I really wanted to say for my intro this time was down on skin. Cause I love that one guy that sings yeah. the line of that in the opening. Down on skin row. Yeah. Oh, down on skin. You know, just the camera cuts away from him immediately. It's great. Um, and returning from our main feed little shop uh, episode to cover, uh, we're talking about little shop. We're talking about 1986's uh, little shop of horrors directed by Frank Oz and Sid Branca's here. Hello, I'm here. I'm so excited. <laughs> Continuing the conversation from the main feed, back behind the paywall. We know you wanted those juicy, juicy tidbits about <laughs> the feature film adaptation of the musical Little Shop of Horrors. And here they are. Um, it's good. It's fucking great. Uh, the so end. Good. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for listening. For <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I think in terms of like movie versions of stage musicals, is it the best one? I Brand, think it's this the is, best Brand, one. This, this is your take, right? Like, you think this is I the best? I think that is what I said before. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to, like, commit because I'm sure I'll watch one and whatever. I'm sure there's something out there that, like, whatever I've seen most recently is the best one. But I, I don't know, man. I, this is probably I, the best one. I got us. And, like, we've all just... Or West Side Story. Yeah, it's up. Full transparency. Like, we've had a few couple of rough main feed episodes musically <laughs> that have really fucking brought the room down. And what a breath of fresh air it was, at least for me personally, to just watch this movie this morning and bask in this Alan Menken score and this beautiful, these beautiful Howard Ashman lyrics. And it's okay. I, I, yeah, there's a lot to cover. Um, but yeah, thesis at the top of the episode. Uh, this movie's fucking great. Maybe like easily top five best Stage Probably one of the best yeah. things we will cover, yes. period. Yes, it is just... Um, <laughs> like movie and musical. Yeah, 
just a wonderful piece of artistic achievement. Uh, from Frank Oz. Frank Oz, the Geffen Company. Uh, wow. <laughs> Turns out they're good at making stuff sometimes. I know. Well, so yeah, so there's a lot of sort of like behind the scenes stuff that I'm really excited to dig into. Um, so let's let's start. It, the 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 first place I almost said the lyric from a very popular uh, musical that we've actually covered on the Patreon, but no, let's start from the place where things start. Um, David Geffen. Uh, let's start from the overture. David Geffen, uh, uh, music producer, like entertainment mogul. Uh, I know I didn't realize produced the off-Broadway transfer of Little Shop of Horrors. So as we as we covered on our main feed, Little Shop of Horrors uh, opens at the WPA Theater, Howard Ashram's scrappy uh, off off-Broadway theater in New York. Um, smash success, and so there was a commercial off-Broadway run. Uh, I believe it was the Orpheum Theater is the name of the theater that originally played at for years off Broadway. I didn't in the credits for the movie. I didn't realize that Cameron McIntosh was a producer of the off Broadway one run as Whoa. well. Um, but yeah, so David Geffen was an off Broadway producer of the show, and he's like, "Great, it's a hit. Let's make a movie." Um, I don't know if either of you looked up who was the initial person who was going to direct the movie. No, I did not do as much like production sure. trivia research. Francis on this Ford one. Coppola. You're not Brian. You're not far off. It was our buddy. I figured it was something. It I was, figured it was something like that. It was our buddy Marty Scorsese. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I had Marty. seen that before. Yeah. So Spielberg. That's cool. Spielberg was initially going to executive produce it, um, and Scorsese wanted to direct it in th- 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 three. Oh, hell yes. That would have been so weird. I know. Also, like, Marty hasn't directed a musical before, right? That is completely... No, I don't think so. It's so, like, thinking about, like, that that sort of, like, new Hollywood era of directors, like, Spielberg's about to direct his first musical, with West Side Story coming out later this year. Um, I guess Francis Ford Coppola technically won from the heart is his musical. Uh, I haven't got around to seeing it yet, but I've heard that's bananas and literally bankrupted the studio he founded to make that movie. Um, I, I've, listened, I've listened to some of the music. Um, from what? From one from the yeah, heart? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard like vi- it's a visual stunner, but there's just not a lot of meat to it. Mm. Um, and obviously George Lucas uh, directed Star Wars, uh, the musical <laughs> featuring Watto, uh, <laughs> our favorites. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, God, I, it would be wild to see what a Martin Scorsese musical looks like. Uh, but I, I mean, I out of those people we just mentioned, it seems like he's, his seems to make the most sense to me because he's got all those montages in so many movies that are almost yeah. like music videos. And kind of like we were talking about the Little Miss Sunshine people, um, <laughs> those direct those were music video directors, and then they translated into like yeah. a very a, a musical a thing that turned into a musical. And so I could see Marty Scorsese's like jump cuts and stuff yeah. being conducive also, to that. Also, yeah, spoiler alert: we're going to talk about Little Miss Sunshine on the main feed soon. It's a hot fucking mess. Uh, stay <laughs> tuned for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about the like the. The moments in uh, Age of Innocence where they're like, oh, sure. there's, there is like choreo. There's like, yeah. um, there's like, um, you know, a el- elaborate repressed um, sort of dancing that's happening. Um, and those are, you know, beautifully shot. But I feel like, um, 
maybe a more a different kind of choreography than um, the type that is at play in this particular. I mean, there's, there's not a lot. Of, I mean, there's not a lot of choreography. It's mainly like the urchins uh, have some movement. There's. I mean, I do love the in the opening number of Skid Row that sort of like the stomping choreography of the the residents of Skid Row. There's like mm-hmm. those beautiful crane shots. There's that beautiful end shot of Skid Row. Um, where you got Audrey oh, and yeah. Seymour like on opposite ends of the building and they're looking up and then all the residents are looking up doing that like stomping on the beats and then the button comes and they all have their heads go down except Audrey and Seymour still looking up. Just fucking masterful. Masterful. Yeah. Very good. I mean, this is a musical I would love to be in because there's like no dancing. Right? Sure, <laughs> yes. Absolutely be delighted to be in this show yeah. and um, um, not Sid Branca, to... singer who moves. <laughs> I have, um, yes, I have movement experience. I am not Ooh. a dancer. Um, sure. That's, that's a distinction I think that is true. Yes. Uh, so, but, so yeah, so the whole Scorsese Spielberg plan fell through. So when they got the rights to, Sid, you might be interested in this, when they got the rights to make the musical of Little Shop, they got the rights from Roger Corman, but Chuck Griffith, the writer, the, the screenwriter of the original film, was not included in that rights agreement. So <laughs> he sued them. There was a, le- a lengthy court uh, settlement over Little Shop. So like they weren't able to make the film until that was... They they eventually got an agreement, and Chuck Griffith likes to say that he spent the rest of his life living off of the money from Little Shop of Horrors, uh, however true that may or may not be. I mean, I could see Chuck Griffith being the kind of man who knows how to work with a small budget, mm-hmm. <laughs> so hey, that might go. be true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's why it was held up in court for so long, so they weren't able to go through with the Scorsese plan. Uh, at this point in his career, so Frank Oz, obviously, you know, he's well-known. He's uh, essentially, like, one of the creative leads of the Muppets, right? I mean, he he is he is on Sesame Street. He is, he's Fozzie Bear. He's, uh, he's Animal. He's... Uh, Miss Piggy. He's, he's, of course, of course, Miss Piggy. He's a... Truly get you a man who can do both. <laughs> <laughs> he's a... And yeah, and so he... And he's like, right, he's one, not just like a puppeteer, but yeah, he is a creative head. He is like mm-hmm. one of the main creative voices in the Muppets. Um, and this is, I mean, this is a great opportunity for me to go on one of my many Muppet-related rants, where I talk about, like, listen, I know that they're trying to revive the Muppets like every five years. Um, I know they got those fucking Jason Siegel movies. I know they tried to do the Mupp- What if the Muppets starred in The Office? Uh, like this really bad sitcom. They had like Muppets Now, which is like a Disney Plus sketch show. They're trying to do Muppets Haunted Mansion later this year. I get it. The Muppets are fun. I'm not one to say the Muppets aren't great, but the Muppets aren't just Kermit the Frog and Fozzie and Miss Piggy. The Muppets are Jim Henson and Frank Oz and Jerry Jewell. Like, they are the creative... They are those writers. They are that creative, collaborative energy of those original players. And it's hard to... You can't really emulate that. I really think my big... My big passionate plea, uh, my big passionate Muppet hot take is that after Jim Henson died, the Muppets should have just remained just a fixture of the 70s and 80s 
And I think that's... I don't know. Yeah. I think that the Brian... I, I like the Brian Henson The movies. Brian Henson ones are good. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, yeah, absolutely. Muppet Treasure Island and Muppet Christmas Carol I was are good Muppet, Muppet Christmas mm-hmm. Carol is... Uh, as a person who probably identifies most strongly with Rizzo the Rat out of all of the Muppets, <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> That's fair. Very good. Rizzo's a good rat. Uh, Starring Rizzo the rat is still like the best movie credit ever. <laughs> Truly. It's so good. But either way, so Frank Oz was a big mm-hmm. creative head with the Muppets. Um, but obviously Jim Henson had other wild plans to make creative projects. Like I, for a while, and I'm so sad I missed it, Criterion Channel had a bunch of Jim Henson's like early short films that are like super avant-garde and huh. super weird. Like I'm really hoping that they might actually just release a box set of his like independent short films that he made that are completely non-Muppet related. They're really fascinating, apparently. But, like, yeah, he had these aspirations outside of, like, child entertainment. So... Have you ever seen those like Wilkins coffee commercials oh, they made so too? Fun. Those are so strange oh, and funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the black and white like Muppets attacking each other over coffee. Yeah, it's usually just one of them's like, I don't really care for that coffee. And the other one kills that <laughs> yes. Muppet. And then they're like, Cop, Wilkins coffee, the only one. You know? <laughs> wow. Sid, you got it. Look at this up on YouTube. I do. What is, it, what is it about coffee commercials specifically that it seemed to... Uh, flirt with avant-garde cinema in a different way <laughs> nature's love cocaine they, yeah people love coffee um, ah, but yeah so yes. so jim henson, cinema so jim 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 henson like had this like secret like love of fantasy filmmaking and so obviously so he, he goes on obviously to make the dark crystal he directs that mm-hmm. uh, sorry he goes on to he goes on to solely direct labyrinth but he directs the dark crystal with frank Oz. So Frank mm. Oz and uh, Henson direct that together. Um, that movie is, uh, I love that movie so fucking much. It is like, say what you say what you will. It is, it is Lord of the Rings with Muppets, like no denying it, but it is just like, a, it's at, at the very least, it is a technical masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a, like a feature, not a bug. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, <laughs> <For exactly. sure. laughs> um, I love that movie so much. I know it can be slow at times. I know it can be weird at times, but whatever. There are no humans. It's just puppets. It is a. Oh, <laughs> what's the one Skeksy? <laughs> the Skeksy. That's all he says. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And I will say, there was that Netflix reboot of the Netflix prequel series. That was pretty good. I'm oh really? I kind of was... assumed I assumed it was going to be bad, and I did not see no, it. No, so it was actually it. very it was okay. good. I will. I'm given my official Ben K seal of approval <laughs> on the Netflix Dark Crystal Age of Resistance series that they canceled, which is bullshit on mm. in my estimation. Well, you know, there's a game uh, based on that series that came out too. That's like a real time strategy game, oh, or a oh. yeah, a real time strategy game that's supposed to be very good. Huh. Great. And they used they like. Uh, 3D modeled the puppets they used in the show to make the like oh, characters cool. in the game. It's very cool. It oh. looks really cool. Puppets I mean, the art and everything great. looks just like it. I love puppets. <laughs> puppets are great. Puppets are oh. great. Anyway, but yes, and then so Frank Oz then directs Muppets Take Manhattan, um, which is a very nice movie, very sweet film. Um, <laughs> but then yeah, Frank Oz, I think is just like I'm. I want to make my own movies. I I like, he still does Muppet stuff, but he's like I want to direct. Uh, non-Muppet stuff. And of course he, and this is his first non-Muppet movie. And it's, I mean, it has a giant puppet in it, but like <laughs> it is his, it is his first like film 
outside of the the Muppet universe. Um, he would obviously go on to direct. Right after this, he directs Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which of course we'll cover oh, yeah. on a later miniseries all about David Yazbek. Uh, what about Bob? House Sitter, In and Out, Bowfinger, uh, Death at a Funeral, I've wrote, The Stepford Wives. What if there were more Stepford Wives? Bowfinger. I haven't seen Bowfinger. I got it. I got it. I got it. Stepford Wives is not good. No, no I know. Um, it it most... does seem like one of those things where, like, why did why did you do it again? Yeah. His also... it feel, yeah. It feels like a studio, and then they were like, Frank Oz, why don't you direct this? And he's like, okay. He's, he's great at these, like, sinister comedies. Mm-hmm. Like, he's really got a knack for, like, even Death at a Funeral, which was remade as a very bad Neil Labute film. Uh, but the original Ugh. one that he directed is pretty fun. His most recent thing is he directed the stage show called In and of Itself with a magician named Derek Delgadio. Um, and hmm. so it was an off-Broadway stage production. Um, and they filmed it. And he filmed, he directed the film version of it for, cool. for Hulu. It's really lovely. I think it's a really lovely show. I would recommend checking it out on Hulu. Um uh, they don't sponsor us, but they should. Um, but Little Shop, Why not? Of, but Little Shop of Horrors uh, is uh, so yeah. So Frank Oz directs this. Uh, he worked really closely with Howard Ashman. Uh, is this, this like adaptation. right after? This has to be like right after he did Star Wars too, oh, right? Oh yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, it's like, fucking Yoda. Yeah, yeah. This was years after. Yeah, it was nineteen eighty six. Yeah, so it was right off of the heels of uh him playing yoda great and, and you know george lucas pushed for him to get a supporting actor nomination for empire strikes back should have and absolutely should have 100 percent agree yeah he's so good <laughs> it's crazy how good he is yeah and like i i really appreciate that they brought him back for last jedi say what you will about that film i think i like that too. okay good yeah i i never know i know everyone's like i like that's the one of the only ones i still like yeah, it's his fun. last jedi and like they brought him back to not only like perform yoda but he puppeteered Yoda. It's yes, not a, it's so not a cool. fucking CG. That's what I love that they like mm-hmm. are honoring the fact that like this is a puppet character. He's a puppet. Mm-hmm. That's what's so good about he's Yoda. He's a weirdo. He's an old crotchety weirdo. He's not some <laughs> CGI bouncy ball fighting <laughs> Count Dooku. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah that's the sound of that. I I, I, this is what I didn't want to get into Star Wars talk. I knew I was gonna get <laughs> fucking angry, and if, whenever we went down this road, um, prequel trilogy, good, and that's how we can leave it there. <laughs> Brian, you're trying to actively murder me <laughs> over the internet. Um, so who was so? Of course, uh, another trivia question: Who was the original choice to play Audrey? Oh, I did know this, and then I forgot. It's of uh, Bernadette Peters, Cindy Lauper. Wow! Right, yeah. right. I knew this, and then I like erased it from my mind because I was like, I cannot imagine, yeah, anyone yeah. but giving, Ellen Green. Like, well, and also I can't imagine anyone giving Cindy Lauper a black eye and surviving because yeah. um, <laughs> I saw Cindy Lauper in concert in like 2004, I think. Oh wow. And, um, there was like some drunk guy in the audience. It was like in a very weird venue in Nassau County somewhere that had like a seats and was like it the Nassau Col- was it the Nassau Coliseum? It was the one where it's like the, the seat, the stage like rotates. Do you know I, what I'm I, talking I, about? 
I didn't go to a lot of concerts because I hate Nassau County. So that, yeah, I like only went to this particular show because Cindy okay. Lauper was playing a show. But I forget this was obviously a long time ago. But like it was like a rotating stage and everyone was like in seats. It was a very weird venue. But the stage was rotating and she was just constantly running around the whole place. Like, yes. like it was and she was just like so energetic but then there was some like drunk middle-aged man in the audience who kept like yelling shit i think not in a trying to heckle way but in a like i love you sandy <laughs> right <I love> you. <laughs> and so she like runs to the edge of the stage and like points out this man and is like get up here. You want everyone to pay attention to you. You want everyone to look at you. All right, come up on stage. You're going to stand here for five seconds. Everybody's going to look at you. All right. Everybody's looking at you. All right. Now sit down and shut up. Hell yeah. <laughs> Incredible. It was like such a like moment of power. No and one has given her a black eye. <laughs> like, no. and you know, not to, um, obviously many strong people, and strong personalities can be subjected to abuse because life is complicated. Um, but like just but maybe scene. it's hard to read Cindy Lauper as being quite so vulnerable in a film like this. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like she would be terrifying. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. There was a rumor that Barbara Streisand was in the mix to play Audrey as well. Interesting. Um, which I, which, which, yeah, sure, why not? Um, but yeah, I think uh, I, distracting, maybe. Yes, uh, but yeah, <laughs> probably I, a little I think, bit. I think I, then I read something where Frank Oz was just like, like I, Frank Oz like went to see the show off Broadway a bunch of times, like to study up before directing this. Mm. Um, and he's just like, I can't imagine El anyone outside of Ellen Green. Like she is this character, mm -hmm. um, and uh, he's right. Uh, she's fucking brilliant. Uh, she Absolutely. lives for this role. Uh, she's so good. Really masterful. Um, Didn't she do it again uh, on Broadway when she was like 65 she, or something? Yeah, she did the concert with Jake Gyllenhaal. Or the concert with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, again, Man. just a masterpiece. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, also, so yeah, so they, they filmed this at Pinewood Studios in England. I kind of love the uh, makeshift, like, studio lot feel of it like again oh, it adds to I that it. it adds to that to sort of like this is a movie vibe i love it it makes it so much more fantastical um mm -hmm. but yeah so who else who else we got in this uh thing we got of course uh rick moranis as what, a, what a fantastic actor he is for I, real oh like uh, absolutely masterful. I think like a, a friend of mine, uh, my friend Fran, uh, her letterboxed review is just like, man, Rick Moranis was just in a bunch of movies in the eighties. That must've been great. Man. <laughs> what a time to be alive. In <laughs> so many huge hits yeah. for like 15 years. And then just like, Ch -ch -ch, I'm done. Goodbye. Yeah, I, I yeah. Goodbye everyone. And listen, right. like, if, if you want to go, you want to go. Like I respect that. Honestly. Yeah. Because um, didn't he like decide that he was like, I would just like to like spend time with my family. I was say, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, think so. I, I believe his wife passed away, so I think he was like, I I just want to take care of my kids. I yeah yeah. His his wife passed away in in ninety one. Uh, so he's just like, I'm I'm just gonna take care of my kids. He did, he's done some voiceover performances. He was in like, little giants in there after he was, that. He was in a commercial with Ryan Reynolds for some reason huh, for something okay. recently. Um, he got punched in New York recently. Oh yeah. Um, with fucking, <laughs> I don't know who the hell would want to punch Rick Moranis, the fucking angel. Um, he's also, I will say he's given a huge, I mean, obviously 
this is not how time works. Um, but he's given a huge Fred Armisen vibes in this movie. <laughs> sure. I'm just like, oh, this is like what Fred Armisen is. Like this kind of just like frabble, frazzled nebbish fellow. Um, mm-hmm. I do I keep... feel like I'm, I would be more able to take Rick Moranis in a fight though. Sure. Sure. Like, in terms of like their and Fred Armisen, yeah, like in terms of oh, like sure. their like apparent delicacy, you know what I, you know what mm. I mean? Like Rick Moranis seems a little fragile. Maybe it's just oh. the difference between someone who's taller than me and someone who's shorter than me. There you go. That could be it. Also, Rick Moranis, great voice, really <laughs> lovely yeah. voice. I think he sings like that an sounds angel. Sounds great in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? they all uh, yeah. But yeah, so he plays. I love that opening shot. Um, it's the. Uh, it's there are so many great one takes in this movie. It's it's kind of like underrated. Like there's the shot of like so it's the it's like little the little chop of horrors title number. The urchins coming down the stairs, and it's a one shot of them coming down the stairs, pans to Seymour on the ladder, and then him falling off with the shelf falling down, and then him popping up in the. Sp- to frame being like be right there mr mushnik and it's just so it's just a great character setting moments um and another like one take is the it's the urchins leaving the frame in their like street clothes panning to the alley and then you have that woman coming down singing the top of skid row and then one of the urchins is in like the the pink purple outfit for the number and then it pans down to a bum on the street singing the Then you go. go. Uh, it's just like, oh, it's like really under, it's one it's like one shit one shots that don't call attention to themselves. Yeah. Um I'm calling attention to them because they're <laughs> fucking good. Um Yeah, I mean who's who is the cinematographer on this? Uh Robert Painter? Uh P-A-Y-N-T-E-R. Uh, he, he, of course, he did the live action sequences for Rockadoodles. Uh, <laughs> Although, actually, now that I'm looking at this, um, he also did shoot uh, Muppets Take Manhattan, but also yes. uh, American Werewolf in London, um, oh. which um, is a movie that looks really good. Yeah. Oh, and he Great shot looking movie, and he shot Thriller. The the oh. music video for Michael Jackson's oh. Thriller. I wonder if he's if he just has a ton of experience and is really good with like shooting stuff at different speeds and making it look good because uh, all mm. those movies we just listed use that a lot. Like yeah. American Werewolf in London has a ton of sped up stuff for transformation sequences and slowed down stuff, as mm-hmm. well as um, obviously this one with the plant, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. Yeah, the plot. The, that, interesting. The whole plot mechanism is absolutely fascinating. I'm, exci- I'm excited to dig into that. Um, uh, Mr. Mushnick is played by Vincent Gardenia, who's, I don't know, he's great. Excellent uh, last name. Mm-hmm. He sounds like a plant. Um, it is. <laughs> he's, uh, he is in Moonstruck. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a confession to make. He, I have, have you never, never seen Moon? Oh, Sid! I'm oh, a bad Italian American. Wow. Sid, I'm gonna lend you my Blu-ray of Moonstruck. I gotta. After talking about Nassau County, and now you haven't even seen Moonstruck. I know. I yeah, know. He, he plays Cosmo Castorini in Moonstruck. Mm-hmm. And said he's God. That's that's a movie. That's that a, a movie. that's a that's cinema. <laughs> hey, when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. That's share. Then you're down on Skid Row. Uh, <laughs> um, then I love in the opening credits. Um, it is the official credit is with a special appearance by Steve Martin. <laughs> I'm uh, special. 
It is. It is special. It is so weird. So yeah, Steve. That's a weird way to credit, like, I, I don't know. know, third lead, fourth lead. I know. Um, I, yeah, he plays, of course, he plays Orange Scrivello, the sadistic dentist. Um, he. It's so weird to see Steve Martin with, like, dark black hair. <laughs> I mean, always so striking. Yeah, yeah. Italian-coded dentist, Orange Scrivello. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um apparently he like improv like it was his idea to like punch Miriam Margolis in the face. Um it's also wild that Miriam Margolis <laughs> is his assistant. Like she just shows up for two scenes. I know. There's a bunch of that. I, I mean, obviously Bill Murray is one of his patients, oh, uncredited. Arthur Denton, so good. Playing the uh, the Jack Nicholson role. Mm-hmm, yeah. The Jack Nicholson role. His name's Arthur Denton. Yes. That's hilarious. Yes. Denton is part of your teeth. Ah. <laughs> Denton is like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, Great. Bill Murray impro- apparently improvised all of his dialogue. Oh, sure. Every single thing he says. <laughs> I love it. Uh, oh, it's your professionalism that I respect. <laughs> yeah, it's like a very different kind of horny than the Jack Nicholson uh, interpretation mm-hmm. of that role. Um, and uh, I, it's fun. They're a real go-getter. Yeah, got, yeah. real self-starter, if you will. Say, there's a lot of fun cameos. Yeah, so you got you know, Christopher Guest shows up as the first customer, um, which is great. Wow, what a magnificent plan! Yeah, yeah that's very, good. very deadpan. John Candy is, of course, uh, oh yeah, weird, weird Wink Wilkinson, the radio DJ. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like moving the mic. I would absolutely listen to that radio show. Like he's so yeah. So there's a lot. There's a little bit of added filler, but again, I think a lot of it fits well within the universe for the tone that they're going for. I like so yeah. So Seymour is bringing his plants to be featured on this radio show. Um, Other acts who are gonna be on Weird Wilkinson's show are there's a like a dummy. That is a nun that's playing a saxophone. There's this old lady who's got like a box that's chained up. And then this elderly gentleman who looks like he's like from the steampunk era. Uh, yeah. It's very odd. Like a local inventor, maybe? I don't <laughs> I know don't what he's know. supposed to be. Um, but yeah, and there's, I don't know, there's just a lot of... There's a lot of great shots in this movie. It's it's filmed just in a really clever way. Uh, there's this moment off the dentist, uh, you know, that the number ends with him going like, "Now, what well, I love, obviously, being now spit, now spit," <laughs> and then it, it it's the guy spitting cut the cuts right to um, Seymour throwing a jug full of water into the alley. It's oh, like, yeah. dumping out the mop water. Talk yeah. about your fucking cooler shot effects. Like, mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. I feel like there's multiple like really nice match cuts like that in this yeah. movie, like, where it's just like, ooh, we're just going to cut on this action and we're going to have the same compositional moment. And like, yeah, it's really... Mwah. Yeah. It's, it, and then I love when they're, I mean, and just, this is just kind of stuff you don't ever get in a movie anymore, but there's so much cool composite shots yeah. happening with like amazing matte paintings of the cityscape, like when they're on the rooftop yeah. or in that like courtyard area. And then they're on that, like we said, the beautiful studio lot. And just, I don't know. I love the, like the extensive amount of artifice that goes into making something look like a real location. Yeah. And especially in this, this era was like the height of that before 
uh, we discovered as much blue screen and green screen and just painted everything. Well, apparently you know? this was, uh, so yeah, so obviously the, the, the Geffen company produced this, but it was distributed by Warner Brothers. Apparently this was one of, this became one of Warner Brothers' more expensive films, um, partly due to the ending, which we'll get to later. Oh, yes. But sure. <laughs> about, it cost five, they mil- had to, five the million dollars. And do we know well, how that much? was completely the studio, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll talk about we'll can't t- complain then. We'll <laughs> talk about the ending. We'll talk about what happened with the ending. Uh, oh, yes. But yeah, no, I love and I, I will say it's so it feels like such a small thing. But in this movie musical, the edits are on the music. It is cut to the rhythm of the music. Yeah. And they're even moving in rhythm. To the, I love the, like, the skid row. They're like coming down the subway stairs in rhythm with the music. It, it feels like something that is obvious. It should be obvious. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen a lot. No. It's editing it's with weird. the rhythm of it. Even like Scrivello on his motorcycle. He's like yeah. even sort of swaying. And the engine sound is like... Bukutaka, bukutaka, with yeah. the beat of the song, you know? And yeah, you just, like we've talked about plenty of times, they just don't, nobody does that anymore for I, whatever reason. I, I, I don't know why. It's feel, I mean, I don't know, is it like, is it more expensive to be intentional with your shots? Is that what it's more it is? Expensive, it's more expensive to stay in tempo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think like the, the like rhythm of cutting that, I feel like the the like BPM of cuts, yeah, the, like average BPM of of editing of cutting has like escalated in the last twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. Like obviously, there are many many exceptions to that, but I feel like just like if we were to take like an overall average, it feels like that dial has been like cranking slowly up. Like, I don't uh, like it's is it just like a case of like, oh, they can, so that's why they do it. It's like, oh, we have the technology to be able to cut so much, so we're going to. Like, I don't I think it's more of a the way people they people can like actually follow it now because I mean, like, sure. think about something like Speed Racer when that first came out oh, the, from the Wachowskis, yeah. the movie I love, I love it too, and and it's all just like cha 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 cuts and like stuff moving and never slows down for a second. And a lot of people didn't like it, especially critically, yeah. for exactly that reason. Yeah. But then five, ten years later, everything looks like that movie looks. And it's just like people, the Wachowskis were like, I think people can handle this now. There's like Vine is a thing. Yeah. So we can do this. And then everybody else has just caught up since and now. I but I feel like that style of filmmaking also fits like the aesthetic and what that mm-hmm. movie's about. Totally. It's, it's not just like there for the sake of it. It's like, yes. it's there because it's literally a movie about, it, the word speed's it's in the title. Speed <laughs> Racer, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like, you know, uh, or like how many cuts per minute there are in like any of the um what is the video game called where they're you're killing zombies and they made a whole bunch of movies about it. Um, Resident Evil. Yeah. Resident like Evil, the, yeah. the way that the Resident Evil. The new one. Like, yeah. Like the, good. but like, very good. Uh, how many cuts there are in the Resident Evil yeah. movies. Right. It's because it's like trying to get like so much action from so many different angles and like, da, 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 da. and I think that there's actually something, um, I mean, it, it gets referred to critically as like post cinematic affect. Um, sure. But because it's like not trying to look like a movie anymore. But I think mm-hmm. like when you have things like 
those dialogue scenes in Bohemian Rhapsody that have like so oh. many cuts in them. Oh my God. Oh. I couldn't watch okay. that movie. Just incomprehensible. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's like about, it I think won like, the Oscar for best editing, wow. which Whoa. gives me fucking Ajda. Cause like what? <laughs> like that's a poorly edited film yeah. to the extent yeah. that I could not watch the entire thing. But it's I, a, and it's, it's like, but Paul W.S. Anderson, who directs the resident evil movies and like the monster hunter and stuff, He's, he can do that because his movies aren't concerned with like lying, like Freddie Mercury talking to the rest of the members of Queen. He's concerned about like, doesn't my wife Mila Jovovich look really cool while she's killing hundreds and hundreds Brian, of zombies? Brian, what you don't understand yes. about Bohemian Rhapsody is that we're the mishpits who play for the other mishpits. Mm. <laughs> Great. That's... I'm thrilled I've never seen that movie. Yeah, and, I mean, it's, it's, and that's I, what he says. I believe you. And I think like the. <laughs> But yeah, I think like when you are cutting a musical and like when you're cutting yeah. something that is like emulating a certain type of live performance as opposed to emulating something like a video game that like is inherently digital, right? Is an inherently mm -hmm. in this like like virtually 3D space. Um I think like the the editing concerns are different. Yeah. Um and I I feel like part of what's so successful about this movie is that the way that it is edited feels like it maybe follows what you would be paying attention to if you were watching people perform these things. Yeah. In like, at least in like the rhythm of how it moves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bring it back. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm knocking on all the wood for in the Heights. I'm knocking on all the wood for West side story. I'm really hopeful that they're going to bring the movie musical back. That's what I've been hearing. Uh, There's from early reports for both of those movies. Really? I, I, uh, in well. the Heights, at least. Oh, West Side Story, I have no idea. But, like, everyone who's seen, seen In the Heights is, like, the movie musical's back. Like, this is, like... and, and Fingers open, Bold. Opens next month. It's, uh, I'm going to see it. At the music box, it's nice. I'm gonna. Ooh, we should figure out a time. Hell we yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Um, um yeah, who I'm directed sure. in the Heights? John Chu, who directed Crazy Rich Asians. Okay, um, well, we'll yeah, see. We'll see. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of like what was the most recent, like, film musical content that, that I have good? seen that was good. Um, and I just went to my baby driver. I just like went. <laughs> I just like went to it's my sort of shot like a music it, it's musical. Hedwig and the Angry Inch, two thousand one. That's that's how far you back you have to go. I am. Um, I would Chicago. actually. I have a recommendation for you, which is oh. a twenty seventeen short film, um, called uh, "The Burden." Um, oh, it okay. is a. It's a musical, um, about existentialism um but it's all puppets oh and damn I, and I, well, I think there's three things i didn't expect and do want and i think mm -hmm. they're all singing in swedish if i recall sure. correctly even better, even better. Um, but yeah i think you might enjoy speaking it. of muppets oh, yeah I, by... do, I do like i will say i do like and we will probably have to talk about it on this patreon at some point i do like the movie of uh hello again uh, it's a 2017 film, Hello Again, based on the Michael John Lacusa off-Broadway musical about uh, people fucking over the 20th century. Um, it stars uh, Audra McDonald and uh, T.R. Knight and Martha Plimpton and a whole bunch of other folks. We will cover it. Um, cool. Cute. It's, it's a cute time. Um, and people having sex and singing uh, musically complex songs. Um, 
Cool. Say, the only other cast member that we've yet to talk about uh, is, of course, Levi Stubbs of the Four Tops. Uh, that is his credits in the credits of this film. Levi <laughs> Stubbs of the Four Tops. As Remember me? Too. Um, he's great. He's uh, yeah. really fun. And he's fucking knocks it out of the park as this puppet. And this pup, so this puppet, it's kind of wild because, yeah, like, obviously it's like, oh, Frank Oz has that Muppet connection. But this is certainly not a Muppety kind of puppet. This no, because it's is genuinely frightening. Yes, well, it's like it's got like almost like you can feel it. It's got like such a slimy texture to it, mm-hmm. and um, rubbery looking. It looks more realistic than most CG effects oh, in like most yes. movies today. Like mm-hmm. it is just yeah. So, Bran, you were hinting at this before. So, essentially, they were trying to figure out how this puppet works. They got this puppet, and it was just like it. This wasn't really looking realistic. But then, they, yeah, they sort of were testing it out and experimenting. And they were like, oh, if we like film this at half speed and then double double up, speed up twice uh, the speed of how we filmed it, then it will look more realistic. So they essentially, yeah, they filmed everything at like 12 frames a second, uh, pretty much. Um, and then they just doubled it up. Um, so like, yeah, when you're when they have scenes with like the puppet with Mc- Rick Moranis, Rick Moranis would have to like, do everything in slow motion for that mm-hmm. shot. That's why there actually aren't, if you watch it, there aren't a lot of shots of them together because mm. of just the difficulties of like the human actor having to Usually something, that. him doing something very simple, like just walking and like, uh, I guess I don't, I guess this is a, a decent time to say this. I, last year, without being going into too many details, I, I worked for a little while in the art department of an uh, as yet unreleased children's television show that um many people uh including the puppet designers and the director of this show are old henson muppet people oh cool and um so this particular technique of slowing it down now they're filming on digital so it's different yeah um, than like frame rates but they uh there are musical numbers in this children's show and there were several times on set that they would do exactly this oh, because wow too many things were going on or they needed to be so specific where they were going to, you know, and it's like four or five people, um, all that need to sync up at the same time that they would have the audio people slow the song that they're doing. Cause it's all done voiceover, you know, beforehand. And then puppets are always lip syncing, I suppose, but like <laughs> in the, for, for this, they're lip syncing to a pre-recorded track and somebody, instead of somebody speaking. Um, and yeah, they would make the music, halftime as well and then reduce the shutter speed and uh or increase it however that works and do this more complicated stuff at half speed and then play it back uh play both of them back at full speed so you can't really tell the difference so i imagine that Mm -hmm. for on set they also had their audio person um especially in like not feed me but um uh supper time maybe is when he comes yeah. in and there's, there's like several of, things there's a lot of mouth yeah. flapping yeah oh mm-hmm. and, and, and they would probably the... and mean green mother from out of space as well yeah sure, yeah that's yeah. the one mm-hmm. and they would have probably had him singing singing rick moranis at half speed yeah and having to match his vo- his words at half speed while doing his actions at half speed while the 
uh, probably eight people <laughs> operating the puppet were also doing it all I, at half I, like, speed. I, like, yeah, apparently so yeah. Cool. they needed at, like, what they needed like sixty puppeteers for the largest wow. version of Audrey Two. Wow. Yeah, and it's funny because what you're describing, Brandon, is also kind of like the opposite of how a lot of music video shoots end up being, right? Because a lot because people love to have slow motion shots yes. in music videos, you end up having to like shoot at a really high frame rate. Sure. So you have to lip sync to the song like really, really fast. So you have to like play the song super like at twice speed or more uh and so like <laughs> the struggle like part of why the lip syncing oh in a lot gosh. of music videos seems like it's not as good as it should be yeah. is because they're having to lip sync to their own song but at at least twice speed at least oh, wow. at at least double speed and so it's really hard to do so that then they can play it back slowed down but have sure. it still work with the song at the regular speed wacky that's ridiculous yeah frame that's rate ridiculous stuff. to me Frame rate um, stuff is fun to play with, smart. but confusing. <laughs> we love it. But it's all digital now. Who gives a shit? Uh, Who cares? You still, <laughs> I mean, you still have to do, like, the math of, like, okay, Oh, for sure. How, oh, yeah. Like, how many times do I have to, do like, speed up this audio recording by inside yeah. of, like, my audio editing software and then put it oh on somebody's God. phone and then it play it in this uh, onset it's Ugh. very funny um and uh, so well i also i want to credit of course uh to sheena arnold michelle weeks and tisha campbell who play crystal ronette and chiffon um who who also crush it who are so also good. really fun and i love yeah, sort of the different ways that they sort of pop up throughout the film i know they they got rid of you never know and they replaced it with a number called some fun now and i love it like them singing on top of the building with the neon sign behind them it's sort of like mm -hmm. a more of a, cal mm -hmm. a calypso number a version of that same song but it's very fun um i do love uh we'll get to how they factor into the the endings uh there's some weird stuff <laughs> with the endings um i love in dadu um so yeah obviously they recreate dadu um, which is a very, the sort of how Seymour found the plant. I love in that number, there's like the doo-wop group, like singing on the corner and Seymour like tries to like join in <laughs> to like their little <laughs> singing. It's very funny. Um, I was trying to like find like other moments that I really uh, enjoyed. Uh, Somewhere That's Green becomes like it's this whole sequence. Oh, so good. Oh my gosh, like yeah. This whole, like, I get dream sequence. I get so emotional watching I that know. in the I mean watching the stage version also, but like in in the film it's like really um because you get to like kind of see the fantasy yeah. state mm -hmm. did um and it, how much it feels divorced from reality or like in contrast to like her actual life being lived in the circumstances she's in. It's like, uh, my feelings. <laughs> I love that she's her sling is like just lace that she has wrapped around <laughs> and then just tied around her neck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's I, her. She's like, I mean, so my arms in a cast. I'm like, that's a cast. Really? Like, <laughs> they give that to you at the doctor's right. office. She does not have health insurance. No. I oh, well, no, no. God, Again, no. Musical about poor working class folk. Mm -hmm. Like it's uh, fuck capitalism's bad. Just to reiterate it. Um, thank you for subscribing <laughs> to our Patreon. Uh, that's, um, yeah, but no, I, I think the, the dream sequence sort of works in some way that's green. Again, it also helps with the humor of the number, right? We're actually seeing the visuals of this uh, ridiculous pastiche 
uh, fantasy that Audrey wants for herself. Um, it's cute. She there's the little. She gets her little animated Disney bird that lands, mm. that, yeah. that flies around her, which is very cute. Right, like um, that one Cars video for, or the Rico Kasich video for uh, Zippity Duda. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Um, and there was, yeah, so, uh, the puppets are great, uh, they're designed by Lyle Conway, uh, yeah, they've got this beautiful texture to them, um, other fun moments, I love the shot in Dentist, you, there's that shot from inside the man's inside mouth, the mouth. so yeah. cool, tongue flailing around, just makes me think of how big that rig had to be, huge, <laughs> giant um, lips, yep, just a big old tongue flapping around, <laughs> So cool. Um, I'll operate that tongue. Yeah. That's the job I want. <laughs> Incredible. I like, there are moments like, in, yeah, the, they're like moments in the film when Audrey 2 like uses its vines like as fingers. Like it's making a call to Audrey. And it's got like, <laughs> grabs the, the quarter. The three, yeah, grabs the quarter, but then it's like got the three vines and it's like tapping on the glass. Like it's waiting mm-hmm. for the phone to pick up. Uh, yeah, a payphone, a thing that I don't know. Are, we're the last individuals that even have ever seen one of those, let sure. alone a normal corded telephone inside of your house. But oof, my god, yeah. But like, I like when he uses the gun too. Well, and there's so yes. it really feels like the, that those objects are being held, right? Yeah, yeah. Like they, there's a real kind of grip to those like it, it okay, feels I, very true it cannot be is it really that much i mean i'm guessing digital effects are cheaper than puppets right is that what's happened is I, mean, I don't i don't think that's even true anymore i know i mean i do think part of the to get on a very specific soapbox i guess but you I, have I, to get on I, it since i think part of the issue with cgi is um is the like labor exploitation element of it. Yeah. Um, because it's like a lot of like people that work on sets in Hollywood are unionized mm. and a lot of like big sort of FX production houses overseas that don't pay people appropriately. Right. It's like, yeah. Oh, you mm-hmm. can, you can just like underpay a bunch of effects artists who are really talented and not being appropriately compensated um, instead of building a bunch of actual things. Right. And I, I think there are things that CGI can do, right. That practical effects can't, right. Just or, can't. And, totally. and I think that yeah. that's like part of what's so exciting about it. Like I know a lot of people who do, like experimental 3d animation. And I think that that's yeah. such a wonderful world and like so, so much like innovative thinking. But I think in the context of like mainstream Hollywood movies, it's like often not being used to the like strengths of CGI. Yeah. Um, and it, it does feel like they're trying to do something the, the, the cheapest way. Um, or the way that they're yeah. expected to, right? That yeah. they're expected yeah. to um, have these kinds of effects as opposed to maybe having fewer effects in a movie and have them be practical. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like... It's I'm, frustrating because yeah, it's not I mean, deliberate. It's, yeah. Exactly. I feel like there are so many... Fr- I mean, there are so many issues I find with it. Yeah, obviously the sort of the labor issue is a, a huge one. I've heard a lot, I've heard a lot about like, especially at these larger houses at places like Marvel. Um, I mean, like that's, I, I, again, this is like, uh, alleged and like unsourced, but like 
if, if like Black Panther, which is maybe like one of the only good Marvel movies, like one of the only Marvel movies that I would even call a good movie. Like even like that, the third act special effects in that movie mm. are garbage. They are absolutely yeah. garbage. And I have he- again heard from uh, sources that it's because it was a rushed schedule and that they like rushed uh, those pre effects and those like previs. Uh, yep. work on that yeah um, and well think- and a ton of the time they'll like those sequences will be already it, not only decided upon exactly. but begun worked on before a director has even been hired for the film or there is even necessarily a script they're just like we know it's going to end with black panther fighting killmonger on a train underground so get to work and i think too it's like not not having like enough respect for that effects mm-hmm. work right and like i mean it's like the the kind of um you know like the crunch time p- push to be like oh we're gonna change something drastically and you're gonna have to like or you're, you're gonna have to like remake it all like very very quickly or we're just gonna like we have these exploitative expectations about how long it takes to do this thing right um and I, and then yeah. as opposed to like having a real like love and respect for the medium in the same way that you do for like the craft of the actors that you're working with or that you should totally. have for the craft of the actors that you're working with. Yeah, I mean, I, I can go on a whole fucking like CG animation bends as well. Cause I feel like sure. 3d animation is fucking garbage as well. Like the, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't even want to go down that route. The point <laughs> is... The thing, animals never do it. It always looks bad. A yeah. CG animal is the worst thing you can do I'm in just a saying, movie. I think, because, yeah, like, I think, again, like, talking about the Dark Crystal Netflix show, I think what's great about that show is that there is CG in it, but it is the CG is there to support the puppet work that's happening. I think yes. CG is really good as a supplementary aesthetic additive to... Uh, whatever is being worked on. I think like that's that's mm-hmm. what Disney wanted to do for a while with CG. They wanted to use it to support the hand drawn work. That's like that's what's happening in stuff like Treasure Planet and Atlantis. Like I think or like that- look at Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park yeah. uses a ton of practical stuff, but uses has some giant CG shots that mm-hmm. are like that, impossible that still and they hold look up great. yeah they look fucking great that because they were so like good. this is where we're going to use it and we're going to use it exactly like this and we know what the lighting is going to be we know exactly what it's going to do and we know we have this puppet version over here that looks like this and if it doesn't look this good it's got it, we can't use it yeah. you know and it's just smarter it's being smarter about it yeah um, so that's, I mean, again, like I said, the, the Audrey 2 in every iteration in this film looks more realistic than yeah. most CG these days. And it, it, like, it sucks that, like, for the sake of, like, uh, overworking people and, like, pushing people's labor and exploiting people, that money is not, money was being diverted from practical effects and is being invested in cheap, exploitative, uh, CG work. Uh, it sucks yeah. and I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, and like it's like you know, and and it, I think it also takes attention away from like the interesting work that's being yes. done. Yeah, like, that's like, the thing too. It's just it's not artistically interesting either, right? Because like I don't know, I'm trying to think of like you know, there's like um, Mike Pelletier has these like 3D animation sort of like dance films okay. that are these like 3D animated like cloth figures that do this like impossible choreography really beautiful it's like oh yeah shit like that is like 
it's this like dance piece that would never be remotely possible with actual physical, the physical human realm, bodies. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you get this like really interesting work in, in that direction or like people making like VR work that yeah. allows yeah. you to like be inside of environments that you would just, that are, that are not possible in a practical way. Didn't so, Iñárritu make a VR film? Or like, yeah, Alejandro González Iñárritu, he tried, like he made like a short film that was in VR. Uh, that Whoa. He, like, te- like he, I think it was at Cannes maybe. Um, but like, uh, it's the thing that like Ang Lee should have done with his like 120 frames films. It's like, rather than trying to make two films at high frame rates, maybe just like make some short films and test it out before subjecting people to two Will Smiths in 120 frames per second. Whew. Um, oh yeah. It looks like, um, uh, Carne y Arena is I think what it's mm-hmm. called. Sure. Um, I believe but yeah, you. it looks interesting. I'm, I I want to check it out. But uh, yeah, they, and like calling back to another thing we talked about on the Patreon before, uh, Holy Motors. Uh, there's that like ridiculous like VR 3D uh, section in it that is like it's yeah. it's it, which is obviously it's kind of like making fun of CG uh, sure. and how it's used in films. But again, it's like a really creative, grotesque use of the medium. Mm-hmm. Or like cool mm-hmm. 3D world, right? Like shit like um those like the the men in chairs like viral video of like all these like oh yeah yeah it's like that's what i want to see i do not want to yeah. see a fucking like computer generated version of little shop of horrors and if they do it i will fight someone so, actually, so here's the thing here's the thing actually <laughs> so for the longest time and i forget if we talked about this on the main feed um there was talk for a while of a remake uh with taron edgerton as uh seymour and billy porter was gonna be audrey too huh so so billy porter uh recently did an interview uh because pose is ending his show pose is ending Mm. so they there was an interview that he just did for the final season of pose and they asked him they're like hey so how's that little shop of horrors movie coming uh and he's like oh it's not happening anymore and they're like what He's like, oh yeah, yeah, I got a I got a call, and it's been postponed. Maybe we'll do it, but for right now, it's not happening. And I'm like, fine, <laughs> that's Good. that's fine. Yeah, because it would be just some dumb fucking CG Audrey two, and it would look so bad and so fake, and I would hate it. And like, they probably wouldn't have the fucking guts to have the the real ending either. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, and we should probably talk, and I will say, I will say before we get to the real ending, um, one example, again, like talking about CG, that I, first of all, I think Speed Racer is maybe like the best example of CG in a, rec- in a recent film, and that's from fucking 2008. Yeah. Um, but also like... <laughs> I mean, I love cats, as you know. <laughs> well, mm, mm-hmm. we'll talk about it at some point when we do our live commentary. Deranged, but very interesting, and I kind of love it It's too. interesting. You can't <laughs> It's not interesting. Um, I do like in Spike Jones's Where the Wild Things Are movie, where those are actors wearing puppet suits, but then their faces are augmented with CG. CG. Yeah. So I think I saw that in the movie theater, but that was it. I saw that on IMAX really yeah, fucked up. Hell so, yeah. Yeah, me too. Hell I yeah. Time. I was in like college station texas i think for some like vocal competition wow and i had time so i took mushrooms and saw that movie yeah james gandolfini 
Oh, he's in that he's movie. Good in it. He's, he's the main he's, one. He's one of them. He's the main. Clearly, I yeah. my, my I was. You gotta watch it again. Uh, yeah, definitely. Especially now that like I'm about to uh, undertake the project of watching all of the Sopranos. Woo-hoo. Yeah, just imagine it being a wild thing. In the Have you never seen that either? No, no. And you know, wow. Um, yeah, I also relatively recently saw um, True Romance for the first time, and oh, his yeah. performance in that is absolutely stunning. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that in so long. That'd be a fun one to rewatch. It's very Maybe. strange. Someone, someone, make it into a musical, then we can watch it. Uh, or just Why not? watch, or just watch it whenever. You're, a, we're all free agents here. Um, so let's talk about these endings. So yeah, so for the most part, yeah. So Howard Ashman was really an integral part of this film's production. So it skews pretty close uh, to the action of the stage show. Um, there isn't a lot that's changed until we get to the ending. So. Here's what happened. So, it, the, the, they wrote this new song, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space, a new song for Audrey 2 to sing. Um, it's an absolute banger. I think, fuck, it's so good. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's weird to me it's not in the original. Right, like, it doesn't it's, feel out I don't of place know. at all. Yeah. No. It feels like there was a gap there probably like before yeah, now no, that it, it exists. It absolutely fits right in. It's so well done. It was nominated for best song at the Oscars that year. Oh, that's why they added it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You want to get that fucking Oscar gold? Um, no. And it, uh, so, so I will say also preemptively, it was nominated for two Oscars. It was nominated for visual effects. Um, oh yeah. It didn't win. Uh, it went to aliens. Oh, okay. Oh, Aliens. You know okay. Aliens. That's fair. Number two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, Deserved. You know what? I'm, like, yep. I was like, I was about to be really indignant. Um, but then it's it's Aliens of all films. Yeah. So like, yeah. a film about another mean green mother from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> this one, literally is a mother. She, is she green? She's kind of green. Kinda I don't know. Yellowy green. I don't know. There's like undertones. <laughs> yeah, she. But she. The toy was me- green. She's a mean mother from out of space at nothing at the I end of the day. I think the acid oh. blood is green. So. Yes. Gosh. Oh, uh, I, 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 Alien. I, I, Aliens is great. Alien is like my, my heart. That movie is so fucking good. Oh, it's so yeah. good. Uh, I, but anyway. But yeah. Yeah. They're all pretty great. <laughs> They're all pretty good. I kind of like all of them. That's fine. Uh, it's uh, yeah, Aliens won visual effects, but yeah, best original song did not go to Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. Uh, it went to Take My Breath Away from Top Gun. Boom, 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 boom. There you go. Boom, boom. Um. So anyway, so yeah, so the, he sings that song. It's an absolute jam. Um. So yeah, in the original cut, he's uh, approached by uh. Paul Dooley is the actor who says that uh, we're going to sell these Audrey 2s and they're going to be bigger than hula hoops. Um, but, yep, <laughs> whatever. Uh, then Seymour dies and then you have Don't Feed the Plants and it's just this final number. And it's this, what, like 10 minute, like absolute five to 10 minute absolute carnage sequence of just like giant Audrey 2s just like destroying New York City. It's absolute like kaiju size, yes. Yeah, it's, it's very absolutely cool. like a kaiju movie. It's, it's so like cool, busting into people's homes and like, like I think they like break into a disco at one point. Like the, the, fi- <laughs> the final shot is like one on the Statue of Liberty. It's, uh, oh, it's so good. 
like it's th- I feel like that shot, especially the like the sort of Statue of Liberty moment, like really feels like a thing that would have been like visually referenced in other films subsequently yeah. if this ending had yeah. been what was distributed. It's, it feels like it's on the same level of like a fifties, like them. If you've ever seen that movie sure, with like the yeah. giant ants, like one of those like <laughs> fo- posters where there's a woman like going like, you know, Oh, and like some like rugged looking guy comes in, you know, yeah. I, that's what it feels. It feels like a Mars attacks level of goofiness almost. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was a, a lot of models. They used a lot, a lot of models yeah. to make it happen. So it's really great. Um, so yeah, and, uh, yeah, it reportedly cost $5 million to produce. Um, so they held, penny. Uh, they held a test screening in San Jose with this ending and apparently they were like with it they were like this is great there was applause for every musical number uh and then rick moranis and ellen green died and then quote the theater became a refrigerator an ice box oh, no. it was a complete disaster um and then frank Oz was like okay well you know this was one audience in san jose we got another test screening in los angeles let's see what happens exact same thing happens in LA. Oh no. Um, and I guess, yeah, so Frank, how Frank Oz describes it is like, you know, like in the play of Little Shop of Horrors, they come out to bow at the end. Yeah. The, and so, but this is a movie. So they're dead in the movie and that's what the audience has to sit with. And yeah. I guess it's, I guess they hate it. I guess it sucks. Um. So I think apparently it sounded like Warner Brothers was like, we will not distribute this movie until you fix the ending. Like we cannot release this movie. Ooh. Which yeah. sucks, which obviously yeah. absolutely yeah. sucks. Yeah, and my, um, my fucking hot take, right, is that I think the entire concept of a test screening is absolutely, like, shameful. Oh, like, absolutely. I, oh, absolutely. I, I think it is, uh, I think it is a, a coward's approach to filmmaking. Oh, yeah. I think it is, like, oh, yeah. okay. it's, like, it's, it's, I mean, it's similarly to when, you know, they released that fucking Sonic trailer and people were like, it looks weird and bad. Oh, yeah. And those fucking <laughs> cowards changed the movie because, like, you made a thing you stand by the thing and yep. if you're a production company and you trusted this director to make this movie then you let this fucking director make this movie. you read the screenplay right like <laughs> it's you, not a surprise you really saw the musical that this is uh, based upon yep what were you like you could have maybe at the beginning of this process if you were going to try to argue for changing the ending but like it's yeah i think it's absolute cowardice and I get really mad. And like, Sid, screenings Branca, are bullshit. Un- yes. Sid Branca is off the leash. They are unhinged. Uh, I'm okay with the test screening, but I, if you're going to like, just want to make some judging, you know, yeah. like a little bit of changes, but to people, change like, the whole. Yeah. You can, ending. you can show, you can share your work in process with people whose yeah. opinions you value and you can get notes and you can make changes. Absolutely. It's an, it's an interesting thing, right? You know, like this whole sort of like, relationship between the audience and the artist and like like obviously like the audience is there to consume your art so how much how much should they be a part of like the art you're making it's a whole fucking conversation in this case they were wrong just actively they were wrong they made the wrong choice right yeah people are allowed to not like it yeah that's that's the thing right has to be different (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. right that's the thing it's like yeah like yes it's it would be nice to like make people like your thing but like yeah it's 
I would rather make a good thing that, like, some people like than make a not good thing that most people, that the majority of people like for whatever reason, because it's so flattened down that it's easy for more people to like it. Yeah, make your, make your fucking weird niche thing. I don't know. And it's so interesting, too, because look at how cynical movies get immediately after this. Yeah. And this is like, I mean, they were just a little ahead of the curve again, because, like, Gremlins and shit starts coming out after this, you yeah. know, and that is a happy ending, but way more cynical filmmaking becomes the mainstream, especially in the nineties. Once like the America's just on top of the world. So everything <laughs> is, it's okay to be cynical in movies and stuff. And I feel like this would have been so successful. I mean, it might've been at the time, I, but I got three years later. Absolutely. I got to correct you. Gremlins came out two years before this. Ooh, Gremlins two. Gre- okay, but yeah, but no, Gremlins two. Yeah. Gremlins two came out in 1990, but yeah, the original yes. Gremlins came out in 1984. 84. Um, Great. But it, no, but you're, you're, you're still absolutely, I think that's well, still either a way. Point. I think yeah. the cynicism, uh, escalating oh, in Hollywood after this is yeah. pretty un- and I mean, incontrovertible. Honestly though. And for two, if we're talking about like, um, big blockbuster movies having like sad endings like yeah fucking titanic can <laughs> right like, yeah you know I mean? like, sure like that it, totally you know like or if they wanted to make it so like one of them lived maybe it would I be know. different well, like, so, so sure. yeah so obviously so here's what happens though so they were like all right let's reshoot this thing um, Paul Dooley was not a- available, so of course they replace him with Jim Belushi. Uh, so Jim Belushi plays the role of the guy who comes in bigger than hula hoops. Um, they refilm a little bit of Mean Green Mother, so you got some insert shots of Audrey. Um, but nope, the the ceiling collapses in Mushniks. But Seymour's alive, and he electrocutes Audrey too. It's like yeah. it's the one CG shot in the film. Um, and then yeah, you have this ending where they, they live happily ever after. They go to their fantasy somewhere that's green. And I don't know if you noticed this. So there's that like final shot of like panning down, and you have the three urchins walking by, and uh, Tisha Campbell was unavailable. So you see, uh, two- it's somebody different. It's well, it's not even just somebody different. It's just an actor from the waist down. It's just like a random uh, okay. third. It's a random third, <laughs> a third actor. So you see like two of them, and then the camera's just gone down, so you don't see the face of the third uh, character, uh, which is kind of funny. And then you <laughs> and then you go like their little garden, and it's like, oh no, there's a little Audrey too. There's a little too. baby Audrey too. Oh, well. You know, it like Smiling. It, it maintains the like possibility of. Yeah. I think it holds the original ending in it as like a kernel or like a seed yeah, from, but like, ish. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like. The like ending as it is is fine. I mean, the movie is still it's good. It's just it's yeah, fine. right. Um, and it's. Like, I wonder if they could have even just included it as like Audrey two being like, "This is what I will do," you know, and then he still wins. I don't know. Like you, I feel like it's a bummer to waste all that. I was about to say you spent five million dollars on this sequence. You don't want to use some of it. You I should don't know. throw it away. Right, like, like literally, you could, I don't know, release two versions, and then a bunch of people will go see it twice. Yeah, do like a midnight there you go. version. Losing yeah. money. Yeah, ro- like, Rocky Horror was a thing by this point. Do a fucking midnight screening. I don't know. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can. I'm actually surprised that more films don't do this, which is like 
run simultaneously two versions. Yeah, because that's like, a cool idea. Because I mean, they did it with Clue, right? That Sid, was like you gotta a, do this. This is like, you. This is you gotta make this happen, Sid. This is a cool idea. Yeah, because I mean, cool. I, I I think Clue is the only movie I can think of off the top of my head. Sure, yeah. Sure. Um, that did that. I mean, yeah, I feel like there's probably endings, yeah. probably some of the like William Castle like gimmicky stuff back in the day. I Maybe, I could yeah. see one of those also doing that, but I can't like something more contemporary it's like you want people to pay to see a movie more than one time i will so i will also what if they did with pokemon like the red version and the blue version (laughs) hey there you go i will say speaking of uh cut sequences there there is also a longer version of the meek shall inherit you can actually hear it on the soundtrack um and that you can actually find someone found an old work print of it and it's on youtube um, and it's like this very silly dream sequence, and I'm actually kind of glad they cut it. I think it's a little <laughs> bit more fantastical than anything else in the film. Um, but I don't know, it's it's weird. It's got like the people asking uh, Seymour to like sign the contracts, like flying through the frame. It's very huh. odd. It's <laughs> very very. And it's like him. And it's like a tiny Seymour sitting on this giant contract. It's very strange. I'm kind of glad they they went with their gut and cut that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah. But for the longest time, um, the director's the ending was missing. They just they can't they couldn't find the negative the full color negatives they had black and white negatives that they included as like a bonus feature on like the initial dvd release but for the longest time like there was no color version of this ending um but lo and behold in 2012 they released a blu-ray version with the director's cut so now you can get that blu-ray and watch what I th- what I think is a better version of the movie, uh, like the the truest version of how. I mean, I still think the movie is great. I don't think the totally. new ending is bad enough to sort of detract on how uh, masterful no. of a thing this is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's really good. I'm I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it. I'm glad it was made. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a huge box office success. Um. Which again, like they they fucking remade it and it still didn't do great. Like, right? If they had just ugh. stuck to their guns, it might have been a different yeah. story. It it made thirty nine yep. million dollars, which is technically more than it cost them. It cost about like twenty uh twenty five million dollars. So it technically did make a little over, but they still thought it was still considered uh, an underperformance. Uh, what was it rated? Uh, I'm guessing it must have been a PG, right? Maybe. Yeah, so it's before the thirteen rating. So if yeah. it got R, that's a bummer. But no, I I, I, could, I can't imagine it uh, being being an R. Um, yeah, I don't know. Tough titty. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's so good. Uh, you don't know what you're messing with. I love the little pods. I love the little singing pods. Mean and ah! bad. <laughs> mean and green. Ugh, fucking classic. Very good. Uh, is there anything else? About Little Shop, anything else that you'll have on your brain? It's a, it's just great. The plant shoots yeah. a gun. I still, that's one of my favorite. He twirls it around and then he shoots it at him. I like that. I, I think um like a thing about it that's kind of fun um is like how this that this is such an opposite of a Roger Corman movie. Um, like Roger Corman didn't particularly care for this movie. I think he kind of he did not like how sure. maximalist it was. Um, but I actually think that's like part of why okay. it's so, which like makes sense because Roger Corman's like, why would you ever spend 
25 million dollars making a movie that's ridiculous oh sure what the fuck are you doing it's like, you can make 25 25 movies for that much money <laughs> right i can make 50 movies for that much money you know? <laughs> um and but i i think it's like part of what is fun about it right is seeing this like same basic story um in such a completely opposite mode of realization, right? Like that, the sort of like big musical with like big effects and like all this world building, all this production design, all this stuff. Um, and like, um, taking that same kind of core story and you get to see it in these like totally opposite cinematic modes. And I think yeah. that's really fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fascinating. It's Roger Corman. Roger Corman. He's a, he's a good Roger Corman's great. Little Shop of Horrors is great. Frank Oz is great. I Frank Oz is great. He's again like I don't know if he'll make like an obviously in and of itself is like a stage to film adaptation. Um, but I I don't know. I'm curious if he has another feature film in him. But I mean, mm. he's already like made. Like, he he already made one of the greatest musical films ever made. Like his yeah. his legacy is secure, and he yeah. and he's Miss Piggy. So and yeah. he's Miss Piggy. Yeah, Yoda. And and he, it's a lot. It's pretty good. Pretty good guy. Pretty good, man. Pretty good, man. Uh, we'll talk more about him whenever we talk about Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Um, Sid, we usually ask, I we did ask this for our last Patreon guest. Um, we we asked Brittany Coyne, uh, and I'll, I'm going to thrust this question on you, and I, I apologize. <laughs> this is so off the cuff, but I'm, I'm, I believe in you. Um, because this is obviously kind of a reverse of our main feed. So I'm going to give you just a few seconds to think about um, the reverse of our usual question. So obviously, uh, if you could adapt a musical into a film, like what stage show would you want to see as a movie? Ooh, that hasn't already been done. That's the thing, right? Or like, because uh, I, I bet you'd want to see another version of Phantom of the Opera, I'm guessing. Yeah, I I like because I'm such a Phantom of the Opera fanboy, um, and I've been making my way through as many of the film versions as possible. Um and like in, obviously the film version of the mu the musical, but also film versions just based on the novel. Um yeah. and I feel like they're I really like the Joel Schumacher one, as ridiculous as it is. We're, it is. We're gonna, we're, we'll have you, we have but to have you on. Yeah, you have to be our yeah. guest for that. Um, yeah. Because I've done, I've, but like, let me tell you, it's better than the Dario Argento version. <laughs> um, okay, no. fair enough. His like Phantom of the Opera inspired film called Opera is quite good, but his Phantom, yes. of, the, his Phantom of the Opera adaptation is no incomprehensibly good. bad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I uh, I would definitely be interested to see more versions of Phantom of the Opera, but um maybe well, the maybe the Maury Yeston Arthur Copet stage version. Cuz you know there's another stage version of Phantom of the Opera. Oh right, uh, yeah, I forgot it, about that. They, they the, kind of got overshadowed under, unsurprisingly. Yeah, so maybe turn um, that into a film. I don't know. Or yeah. you could do the sequel. You oh, could do the, Love Never Dies. Love Never Dies. Paint say, Never Dries, as I've heard <laughs> it called. There is um, a moment in the uh, the film 24 Frames that is a beautiful sure. film that deploys um, that deploys a so the use of a song from Love Never Dies really, really beautifully. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. I, I'm sorry. There is a Love Never Dies song in a Kiarostami film. What? Yes. That's <laughs> and awesome. it is... Very moving. Cool. Um, is it the like? Do you know what song it is? Or um, what? Uh, 
Oh, I can't remember right now. Oh, I'm my God. I gotta it. watch it. I, I gotta it. go watch um, it. I think it is the title song. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. The title. It's, it's, yeah. That film is really fascinating and beautiful. Um, but yeah, there's a song from Love Never Dies in it. Um, but in terms of, I'm trying to think if there's another, um, like stage musical that I would like to see. I'm like, cause I, you, I, I, I will admit that I don't see a lot. Yeah. And you don't have to have an answer. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm like, I also like, I think I would have more answers for what are concept albums that I would like to see Hell films yeah. of. So one, give us one. I'll give a sneak peek. Uh, the Neil Young electronic album, Trans. Sweet. Right. I would love I will to put, see. I'm going to put that on my playlist <laughs> right now. It's re- yeah. People hated it because it's got, it's got like tons of, of vo- it's got vocoders and shit on it. Sure. It's like they were like, this is a new Neil Young album. And the first track is kind of Neil Young-y. And then it's like, Bully vocoders and like synths. It's the same nerds that swore off of Bob Dylan whenever he went electric. Whatever, get over yourself. <laughs> Artists change. <laughs> totally. People change. People change. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, plants Sid, grow. Sid, mm. Sid, we'll have you back on the. There's there's a musical. I asked you if that the, there was one. I I not I don't want to say it. I don't want to spoil it. But there was one episode that i was thinking about for the main feed and you were like that's a musical you gotta come on for that you know exactly what i'm talking about i do you gotta come on for that episode (laughs) yeah i'll i'll watch that because i've seen that film probably dozens of times actually have you seen it more than eight times more than eight more than eight and a half times i have definitely (laughs) seen it more than eight and a half times it's my it's the movie that i watch when i'm like when I like feel sick, like if I have the flu and I'm like delirious, I watch eight and a half. It's like my comfort movie. We got to have you on in the main feed for that one. We'll have you back <laughs> on the Patreon for Phantom of the Opera. And of course, yes, cats. Please. Uh, yes, please. thank you again for continuing this conversation about one of the best things we will ever cover on this Correct. podcast. <laughs> um, Absolutely. It was fun to, to talk to you both. Um, really, really delightful. And yeah, glad and to have thank- an excuse to watch that movie again. Oh, got it. Exactly. We got it. Thank you, Bran, as always, for your brilliant work um thank you to everyone who has donated to this patreon old and new um it really means a lot um it really means so much that you support this weird thing we're doing um you've just heard our producers episode and you're about to hear our anastasia episode which is (laughs) i think the the first episode where i fully just break down (laughs) I just fully lose <laughs> my mind near the end of that episode. It's, I just, I have a mental breakdown because of that show. Um, Fair enough. That's... I had recurring nightmares about Rasputin as a child. Fun fact about Ooh. me. <laughs> just wait. My recurring nightmare was that I was in a play about the Romanov dynasty but it turns out that the actor who was playing Rasputin was actually Rasputin. And I figured it out. So he was trying to murder me and he would chase me around the theater and try to kill me. And that was my recurring nightmare as an elementary school child. I hate it. That's very reminiscent of the Phantom of the Opera, you know, Interesting. maybe that's where your obsession started. Well, because I had, which I had seen on Broadway as a small child. There you go. Maybe that's why it's all in there. The Rasputin of the Opera. (laughs) 
close this out before this gets even weirder. Um, thank you so much. Um, thank you all again for feeding our Patreon. And as always, please do not feed the plants. <laughs> Amazing. Down on skid!